Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Smashbox TV's podcast 451. Here, Miller, the disc golf guy, alongside Johnny V. Before we were here, I was upstairs doing some signature stuff for a project we're doing with Brixton. Obviously, everyone knows we're doing some cards. Let me tell you how nerve-wracking that is, Terry Miller. I know. I kind of don't want to touch them. That, I hope they sent up plenty of extras. They didn't. They're, well, all, they're all numbered. Well, depends. They're all numbered like 1 through 25 or 1 of 1. And then they give you three different markers and like for different ones, like the gold marker, the, the thick marker, the extra fine. And so I would sign them and I laid them out on my table because the last thing I want to do is like put them on top and schmear them too. Yeah. Worry about that. And the gold one, you need to let sit a little longer because it takes a little bit longer to dry. But I was about to sign one and my daughter comes walking over and like pushes in one of the chairs to, to push it under the table and nails the table as I was like two inches from signing it, bumped it. And I, I panicked. I was like, <gasps> okay. All right. Good night, honey. And I gave her kids a kid signature version. <laughs> That's right. The, the one exclusive. But no, thankfully, you didn't mess anything up. But it is a little nerve wracking because I know I, I don't want to be the one to mess these up. Yeah. I'd rather have you be the one. To I was mess just going to say, I think this is all but a guarantee that I'm going to be messing something up then. Oh, yeah. That's what it sounds like. I think you're going to sign the wrong name. <laughs> you think so? Yeah, you're going to put like Climo or something <laughs> dumb. Yeah, I could just start. Uh, uh, I mean, I've been practicing like signatures throughout the years because when somebody messages yeah. me they'll say hey do you have any paul mcbath or ricky wysocki or kevin jones or james conrad yes i'll be like of course i do i'd love to get those out for you for your kid i do now <laughs> terry turns around pulls one out of quick signs it look at this yeah i, I just so happen to have a fresh ricky wysocki signature. it's funny it's got your kid's name too to jimmy perfect who knew no i um it, it behind the curtain just for a moment it one of the things i love to do i get a ton of not a ton but i do get autographs and signatures from our pros on discs at events yes some of the time that's just exclusively as me being a little bit of a fanboy and wanting to commemorate a win or a moment or something like that and sometimes i'm having them 
uh, sign a couple of extras that get used in giveaways, uh, all sorts of things that they can be used for. And then once in a blue moon, I do get that phone call or that email. Hey, my kid is a really big fan of blank. Do you happen to have any discs from them or discs with their autograph or signature on it? And uh, it is nice to occasionally have one or two of those and uh, backed up and stored somewhere. So it uh, works out. And believe it or not, I've made a few kids happy probably come birthday or Christmas time for bet, that exact reason. But you have. So that's good. It is. And tonight we're going to have a very special show and that we're going to have a brand new guest who we've never had before. So we're very excited to catch up with her. Uh, we're going to be talking to Miss Hannah Wynn in just a few moments. Uh, we're going to, of course, break down what we saw over at the Innova Blue Ridge Championship uh, at one of the DGPT Silver events that just took place. Of course, we have to have a very detailed, in-depth recap of the pdga b tier i hosted this weekend gray fox silver fox skyline classic yeah all trending on twitter <laughs> okay maybe not i don't think maybe not but uh yeah i'll we'll be able to quickly recap uh the event from this weekend that i was hosting here on the wisconsin tour uh so happy to see so many people come out Talk a little bit about what's going to happen here for the Champions Cup. Of course, that's right around the corner. The we players that are in, the players that are out. Exactly. Uh, the Yes, and the the continued conversation along with the play-in that just took place yesterday. So, I think without further ado, I, if I'm understanding and assuming that she's ready or pretty close to ready, and it looks like she might be, we're going to welcome to the show for the first time, Miss Hannah Wynn. Hello. Hi, Hannah. Hey, how you doing? Doing good. How are you guys? Good, good, good. Uh, question, how many other podcasts have you done? One. One? What, what was the other podcast that you did? I was just thinking about it earlier today. And <laughs> yeah, I, we don't like them anyway. I'm yeah, drawing a blank. Man, All darn good. It. All good. It's okay. It's okay. They're, uh, yeah, and they're we from asked... here, though. I know. I'm <laughs> oh, sorry. Um, no, it, it's so good to have you, and... We want to talk, uh, obviously, about not just this weekend, because we've seen you on the tour. We've seen you playing. Um, I, I guess the first question is, does it feel to you as if this is, is a, a career-changing moment or a breakout weekend? Or is this you just playing to your full potential and we should get used to it and get ready for it? Um, I think you should get used to it because I have been putting in a lot of work. And this last weekend, definitely, I got to showcase a lot of my skills and what I can do. And it was just awesome because I stayed really consistent all weekend, which was awesome. It's it's really interesting because this sounds very weird, but I feel like we've been watching. I've been watching you for a while because I follow a lot of people on social media, including Chris. And then he's always linking to you, and I'm always watching shots of yours. I'm like, gosh, she's really good. And finally, we get to like actually. You perform, take third place this weekend, and you get to come on the show, and we get to get to know you. So it's really nice to actually get a chance to interact instead of just watching you throw these giant bombs that you throw. Uh, Thanks. Uh, and I'm going to switch in a different perspective. I didn't know that you and Chris Hardley played disc golf because it feels like you guys are just at live shows and live music almost every single day. A lot of metal shows. <laughs> right? <laughs> um, 
All right, so let's back up, and we're and, and I already kind of prefaced this with a few people, but we're going to keep it relatively short with you, which I know our viewers aren't used to, uh, because you have an early morning and uh, obligations and such, which we definitely want to respect. But give everyone a little bit of your history to disc golf, you know, kind of that whole where did you find it story, and and you know how were you introduced to it? Yeah, um, so in high school, I. Didn't really go to school a lot. Like, I kind of skipped class. So one day, I was hanging out with my mom, and she took me out disc with her boyfriend. And, you know, I was just walking around, throwing discs. Uh, and then it had been the, I just happened to do it every day ever since then. And I still graduated, which was good. <laughs> but I also played disc golf. Um, but we, it was just more like a hangout with family, you know, just kind of thing. And then in 2020, that's when I really started to take it a little more serious and start doing tournaments and leagues and stuff like that. And so you didn't necessarily think, even when you were introduced to it and, and your early um, you know, playing, you weren't thinking like, wow, this could be a career path for me. Or were you? I mean, you know, were you seeing? Did you pay attention to what was going on in professional disc golf? Was that something that you even uh, took note of? No, actually. Um, never watched tournaments. I knew about like Paul Macbeth and Paige Pierce, of course. Um, and I forgot to say, I started in 2014, my senior year of high school. Okay. So it's been almost 10 years now. Uh, so yeah, I never really caught up on anything. And yeah. And then now uh, your roots north, uh, northwest, right? Yes. Okay. Uh, who who were uh, other than your mom and her boyfriend at the time? Who were some of your other influences when it came to whether it was a league round or a tournament round? Did you have any other influences by anyone that you saw or or even admired or whatever? Actually, yes, because I'm from Spokane, Washington, mm. and so are many other disc golfers. Like I can name off Shauna Buzzingham. She mm-hmm. was on Innova. Melody Bailey, also on Innova. Uh, Nicole Johnson, who was on Prodigy. Mm-hmm. And Sayananda, she is from Spokane. So all of us girls pretty much played together at the same time. So um, it was really cool to see them and know that maybe I could be as good as them one day. Which is great because, uh, you know, oftentimes especially with the women that you just mentioned, all of which whom I know, you think about how you you go to a scene or an area and there's maybe one or two women that are really passionate that end up, you know, going on to play pro. Everyone knows who they are. But to know that there's this this handful or plethora of women that were taking it to a very serious level like that, that's almost an anomaly to some degree, right? When you go to an area, rarely are you like, oh, yeah, we've got, you know, five or six or ten you know, really solid FPO players here. That's just not that common. Our numbers aren't there, but you had that. Totally. It's, it's, it's really awesome. A little bit of a blessing in disguise. Okay. So uh, at what point did you then say, you know, you're playing, you, you found the tournament scene, but then at what point were you like, Oh yeah, this, I, I could be a professional at this. And, and when you decided that, what were the, the things you knew you needed to do to be a successful professional? Well, that did not happen until last year when I went on tour with Chris on the road. 
uh, I was thrown into it. Just like, here you are, here's fresh blood. And I'm just like, I'm trying to play as best as I can. And, you know, you learn a lot uh, when you're playing every weekend with the best in the world. Um, I'm sorry, I got I lost track. What was the question again? Just like, what, what did you realize? Like, hey, here's what I need to do if I want to be competitive uh, okay. with the best in the world. If I want to play yeah. and be on the pro tour yeah. and, and survive, here's what I need to do. What, what are some of those things? You got to practice, man. You got to <laughs> practice. You got to know your discs. And you got to be confident in your, in your play. Okay. And I think last year I was like, okay, I can throw far. I can kind of putt. But in the off season is when I really put in the work. Uh, and now I'm showing it, and I think I'm right where I belong. And uh, you're with Westside Disc. Talk a little bit about that relationship and, and you know, I don't want to just say your obligations, but what does that mean to be sponsored by Westside? What does that mean to you uh, in, in terms of, um, you know, being on tour and having uh, one of the bigger brands sponsoring you? It means a lot. Uh, they really took a chance on me. They're just like, all right, a new girl, she could throw. Um, let's give her an opportunity. And ever since then, I've had a really good relationship with my team manager, Gabe, and our new team manager, Jesse. They have always been supportive, uh, really good communication. And it just means a lot that they gave me this opportunity. And I have all the support behind me. So it's really awesome. And now, when you talk about being able to throw, but knowing that your your maybe your putt is is uh, one of your, is a weakness, does it does throwing far and well, maybe I should ask how far do you throw, and does that feel like it's just all very natural to you? Um, being able to throw, I don't know, uh, farther than than <laughs> most. Um, I didn't start throwing far until the off season. Like I feel like last year, Max was like three ten, three twenty. Okay. But now I'm like pushing three fifty. Okay. Um, but I think you do need putting. You obviously need putting. Like <laughs> if you're gonna ha- if you're gonna play good, you have to putt good. So I think I'm putting in the putting work, yeah. and I think it's just gonna come together sometime. Yeah. So let's talk specifically about this weekend where you felt like. Well, give give us your grade. How how would you assess, you know, everything that you know you need to work on and everything you have been working on when you look back on this last weekend? How would how would you grade yourself in, in a couple of different categories, whether it's putting or driving? Where would what grades would you give yourself? I would give myself putting B minus, driving yeah. A, upshots maybe like a like a See, but I didn't care because uh, the hole, the holes were not long, you know, like mm-hmm. I feel like this course was really good for FPO, very scorable on every hole. You just had to hit your line, you know, just like play really smart. Um, so that's just what I did this weekend. Yeah, we saw the scores for FPO actually better than some of the scores for MPO. Like the course was tuned better to fpo than what we're used to seeing normally we see the women score you know maybe 10 to 12 under par or something along those and then the men are scoring 20 and 30 under in these longer events but this one you know the the men's course was was harder for them and the women's course was hard for them but appropriately so because we see kristen tatar was at 22 sarah hokum was at 13 and you were at 12 so do you feel like this course 
do you feel like this course suited the entire FPO field pretty well? Or was it more, um, again, we see three different types of players, Kristen Tatar, Sarah Holcomb, and Hannah Wynn up at the top. <laughs> exactly. It suits all players, I feel like. Would you say that this course, how would you compare it to what else you've seen in the last year, year and a half, or the last couple of years? What, what, in terms of playability, everything we're just talking about, in terms of scoreability and such, would you say that this has been one of the uh, best suited courses that we've seen? I think so. Absolutely. Okay. And now, um, does that immediately translate to then saying, well, yeah, this is also my favorite course or not necessarily? I mean, those two things I, I realize don't have to be equal. Um, it's not my favorite course. Okay. Uh, I think it's just really fair and scorable, and it's just beautiful. Uh, I don't know. I just loved being there. Speak a little bit about both the attention and then maybe the pressures that did or didn't come well or come along with you playing well this weekend. Do you feel like uh, there was any additional either pressure and or uh, attention then that was then thrust upon you uh, with the way you were scoring and playing? Being on camera and coverage and being on the card the second day was really uh, nervy. Mm -hmm. I'm so glad Chris was there because... I just felt really shaky, but I didn't feel pressure. I just felt like, actually, I did feel pressure because I didn't want to shoot over part. So I really wanted to play good. Um, but the pressure was good. I feel like I really handled myself really well. And the attention I've been getting has been awesome. I've just been getting a lot of, like, congratulations uh, and just really supportive and nice things being said about me. So it's pretty cool. That's awesome, and uh, I'll be the first to admit, I was running a tournament this weekend. I didn't get to see a lot of the coverage, uh, but just by quickly looking as well at your scorecard, seeing that maybe hole 10 wasn't your favorite hole out there. Is that a fair statement? Um, at yeah, least for rounds. Yeah. Uh, yeah, okay, yeah, all three rounds. It looked like hole 10 was maybe the only hole that I could single out as like, yeah, maybe she didn't, she didn't score well in that one. She didn't like it. I don't know. I just... I practice it well. I'm like, I was always playing it for a par, but I found OB or the hazard, unfortunately. So, okay. But I, it, you just got to shake it off. <laughs> uh, and, and again, I only say that because I see that was like the one hole that looked like it gave you trouble literally all three rounds. Uh, you know, during the final round, it, it was your only bogey. Um, otherwise, you had uh, what, seven, seven birdies. And then uh, hole, or I'm sorry, round one looked kind of similar. It was literally your only over par hole, and you also had seven birdies that round. So, um, yeah, looked like hole 10 was the one that got you tripped up. Um, talk about lead card. I know you just said, you know, you felt a little bit of pressure and you didn't want to shoot over par cameras. What what would you say is the biggest lesson that you can take away as, as this was, I'm sure, a very growing experience for you? What's the lesson you could take away? That's a good question. I didn't think about any lessons. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I don't have an answer right now. Okay. Fair enough. Fair Sorry. enough. Um, w let's talk about uh, momentum. What does this do for you knowing we are, you just had one of your best weekends to date, and now we're heading into the, the famed, beautiful W.R. Jackson course, a PDGA major, the first one of the year. What does this do for your 
confidence and for your just your overall mentality heading into this weekend? Um, my mentality, I'm known for like kind of being down on myself and being like, up for now, I would be like, oh, I had a good weekend, so maybe this weekend I'm not going to play very well. But I can't think like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just kind of, I'm just just going to go into this weekend and play for par like I did last weekend. I said. Playing for par is good. If I get the birdies, if if the birdies come, I'm going to take them. And I'm going to do the same thing this weekend. Um, so I'm just trying to have a positive mindset and keep it in the fairway. What do you think about Jackson? Uh, you know, I don't necessarily need a whole entire course preview, but what, is, what, are, you, what are your takes on the Jackson course? It's huge wooded and i need a nap after my round (laughs) (laughs) okay Uh, okay i I can get behind that i've walked that course a few times it's it's not (laughs) so i was gonna ask you know usually later on in the show we tend to ask you like oh hey who's tell me who's your sponsor and whatnot and give give them shout outs i know who your sponsors are you've got you know west side and dark ace and i was gonna ask what dark ace disc do you have but you have all of them I'm going to I'm going to the website. I'll, I'll show everybody the website. It looks like oh. you've got a hatchet, a queen, an ice sheriff, a harp, an ex- escape, a trespass. Like they're all Hannah Wind discs. Look at this. Yeah. You've got you've got more more discs than Paul Macbeth. <laughs> yeah, she should. <laughs> she should. He's old news. Uh yeah, okay, so yeah, talk a little bit about what you throw. Um, again, I don't need every disc, every single shot, but kind of general, generally speaking, what are kind of your go-tos and, and when you find yourself leaning into them? So for distant shots, as you will see in the coverage last weekend, I throw the king a lot. Um, okay. It's just my favorite distance shot. This, it does everything you need it to do. Okay. I also throw the escape, the river, I throw the fuse and I putt with the hope. Okay. And again, you being sponsored primarily by Westside, part of the agreement in in your situation, I think everyone's just a tiny bit different, but within Westside, you then have the option to be throwing both dynamic discs as well as latitude discs in addition to your Westside discs. Is that correct? Well, obviously. Yes. Yeah, it is. It's obvious. Yeah, okay. I knew that answer. Uh, <laughs> you, you just said that. Um, is there ever a concern, whether it's Westside or yourself, to feel like, man, I I, sh- I want to be throwing more Westside specifically? Like, is there ever a thought of like, oh, in five years, I really do hope that all, you know, every disc in my bag is a Westside disc? Or is that not even necessarily across your mind of you or them? No, I, de- I definitely tried doing that this last off season. I really wanted to switch out everything I had in my bag to throw west side. Um, but I can't let go of the grace, man. I forgot to mention the grace. The grace okay. is my, mm, I can't, I can't replace it. I hear that honestly a lot from anyone yeah. that anyone that throws those discs. It's like the grace or the supreme now. Now the supreme grace yeah. and things we've got right. is it supreme or they have a different name for it. They've something along those lines, but those like, uh, yeah. the, the grace is extremely popular, and I'm looking forward to getting my hands on one soon. Yeah, so good. Uh, and it's funny because uh, obviously a signature disc of of Kristen's, and then I always think about those. I don't want to call them mind games, but. 
way back in the day, you know, a Ken Climo would be playing on a card, and and his three card mates would all be throwing discs with you know his line. And now, you know, stuff has become so much more diverse and popular across. But talk a little bit about uh, playing with with Kristen and and some of these other women who are um, on lead cards all the time. Was there any kind of words or exchanges that you had with them that you felt was either extra special or, or something that you could take away from it? Yes. So I have not played with Kristen Tataria. And so when I did, I was super excited. And during the round, I got to tell her that she is one of the women that I looked up to when starting my disc golf journey. So last couple of years. So she has been an inspiration to me with how humbling she is. She's so kind. She's just such a good disc golfer. And I got to tell her that. And she just said, thank you for letting me know that. And like it made her feel good. And she just... We just ex- we just exchange really kind of words to each other. It's really awesome. Um, I've got to play with Sarah Hogan before, and I've got to play with Owen before. Uh, really great girls. I like them a lot. So, um, actually, one time at Las Vegas, no, actually, this Las Vegas challenge, we're uh, playing together, and I was really nervous. First hole, and my leg was shaking when I was putting, like, like really violently. And I kept missing my putts over and over, and Sarah was like, you just need to breathe. <laughs> just breathe, like focus on your putt. And I made my putt and I just, it was nice to have those words like to help me through that, you know? I think that's awesome. And I think there's a lot of people don't understand that that can and does happen within our sport, even at a professional level. And clearly as you're working yourself into the professional ranks and, and trying to come up and be competitive with these women that you either admire or have looked up to at the same time, you know, there's just a human component to all of this and them recognizing where you are. And they were just there a matter of years ago in some capacity. And I think that's, that's really a, an incredible part of our, of our game and, and of the culture really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so is there anything out of the the norm that uh, somebody may may be shocked or surprised to see you guys doing this year? Has there been anything like on your bucket list where you're saying, "Oh, I'm actually not going to play in blank tournament because we're going to do something completely off the beaten path"? Is there anything? <laughs> uh oh, I love I love this question, and usually it's boring. Like, no, I'll be at everything you expect, but you you've got something good for us. Yes. What are you doing? Okay. Chris and I are skipping Beaver State Fling, and we're going to the Electric Daisy Carnival in Las Vegas. And if you don't know what that is, Mm -hmm. it's one of the biggest music festivals in the U.S., and I have been dreaming of going since I was 16 years old. And it's on my birthday, my birthday weekend, so I'm really excited. Is there someone or a few people, bands, whatever, that you're excited to see particularly that are playing? Yes, there's, it's, so it's not metal music. It's like festival rave dubstep. Um, so yeah, there's a couple artists that I do want to see. Uh, but unfortunately this year's lineup was a little lame, but that's okay. I'm just so excited. I get to go. Uh, I was just going to say, I'm looking at it now. Uh, uh, is there anyone you would recognize Terry? Uh, I, I'd have to name, name a couple of DJs. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Steve Aoki? Definitely Frost. Steve Aoki. 
right? Is he Frost? playing? <laughs> no, is he playing? I don't know. That's you just said name one, and that's the only one I can really know. Uh, I'm excited to see Borgor. I know Borgor is going to be there. Ooh, Excision. Excision is like the man of dubstep, like headbanging music. You know? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's a. Uh, it's a three-day uh, festival, so I'm really excited. And here's what I'm going to say. <clears throat> uh, I, I'm going to be excited to be at uh, Beaver State this year. But what really matters is everybody is excited for Beaver State Fling and to be at that tournament. It is, it is just it is always on the bucket list of tournament golfers, of casuals and tournament golfers. So the fact that you guys are intentionally sidestepping one of the most uh, sought-after tournaments to go participate in this, I think says everything about where your your musical um, passions passions and yeah and desires are and i I love it I mean that that says everything because like if you if you pulled our golfers and said what's one event you never want to miss a lot of them would say beaver state fling is what i'd never miss really yeah like so it's i but i think this is awesome that you're going to do uh, on your birthday weekend like i love it well last i played milo plenty of times before because i'm from the pacific northwest Mm -hmm. and last year it rained every single day and our van smelt so bad. So if that happens this year, I don't care. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I don't think you have to worry about too much rain in Vegas. So no. yeah, <laughs> definitely not. Uh, okay, well, yeah, I'm gonna have to go through. Uh, I, DJ Minx is one of my favorites. You're lying. <laughs> no, I, I'll have to go through and see if I do recognize. But uh, it, it, it clearly it doesn't matter because that I can't think of. This kind of a concert in Vegas, as if Vegas isn't wild enough, and now you're going to have this kind of a festival there? Like This happens every year. Like, I, like it's been going on since, like, the 80s, man. Yeah, it's, it it's, this is the 30 year, I think it says, on the bottom of that. It's yes. the 30 year anniversary. Yes. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Which is <laughs> Sorry, yeah, so longer excited. than you've been alive, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> okay. I love it. Um, so you are definitely now. Is that just a is that just a a flight down in and out for the weekend? Is that kind of the plan, or will you guys drive and do that that whole thing? So after after OTB, we're driving to Spokane to my house, mm-hmm. and we're gonna fly, come back, and then drive to the Washington Silver Series. I think that's okay. Sheldon Springs mm-hmm. or Cascade. I don't know. They changed that. Okay. The latest. That sounds familiar. Okay. All right. Makes perfect sense. Huh? Mm -hmm. I love it. Awesome. Uh, (laughs) Somebody says to ask you, am I supposed to ask you about, uh, oh, your, your best mosh pit experience is, is, could you narrow that down somehow? That that seems like a big (laughs) question. Yeah. It would be my first mosh pit at a day to remember show. I was like 15 and I was in it. And I fell and I was really scared. Uh, but someone like picked me up and said that you're all good, man. And then that was it. I think that was my best mosh pit experience. I, had. <laughs> okay. I, think, I think one of my favorites when I was younger was everybody was moshing and someone lost a shoe. They stopped the mosh pit and they were like, did you find this guy's shoe? Someone, pulls, yeah, someone totally. holds up the shoe, throws it to him. He walks out. Everybody goes back in and it's like, <laughs> that's, that's a very nice mosh pit right there. 
I'm uh, curious. Do you know who Knocked Loose is? Uh, no. No, we do not. No? Okay. Okay. What's the story? Anyways, they're play, they played at Coachella this last weekend. And do you know what Coachella is? Yes. yes. It's like pop music, radio music, whatever. Well, I mean, but Knocked Loose is... Okay, sorry. No, it's Some, not whatever. Okay, it's not sometimes. Whatever. <laughs> it depends. Yeah, it depends on the yeah. thing, but yes. <laughs> like, yeah, Knock Loose is there. It was like a, met, like a hardcore band. Yep. And everybody there was like like diving off the stage, circle pits. And these are like, this is at Coachella. Yeah. It was just super fun. <laughs> yeah, because usually Coachella tends to have the, the, the rep of a, a little bit more hippie. A little bit more Vibe. vibey kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. I, when I was younger, I wanted to go to Coachella. And now I'm kind of at the point where it's like, maybe I would go. <laughs> <laughs> I think I would probably still go. It'd probably be a lot of fun. But yeah, uh, I, clearly, I, I don't think it necessarily lines up with the musical artists and talents. And it's certainly nothing like this in Vegas. But uh, we have Summerfest here in Wisconsin. Have you ever been anywhere near the Midwest for Summerfest and huge music festival we have here in Milwaukee? Have you have you heard of Summerfest? Okay, it, it it's not definitely. I would not say it's necessarily up uh, up your alley. But the fact is, it's still one of the larger music they, festivals. Yeah, they usually say it's the largest music music fest in the nation. Now, there used to be two solid weeks of just bands. Now, I think they've got three separate weekends from like Thursday through Sunday. Um, and then just it's just you pay your twenty bucks and you walk around and there's just tons of bands. Anyone you could ever imagine um, is playing at some point. Yeah. Was that happening last year during the women's tournament? Uh, Yeah, it might have been because that was right at the beginning of July. And and Summerfest takes place the last week of June into the first week of July. And so it would have been about an hour east of Madison Mm -hmm. is where where Milwaukee is. So, yeah, it it very well could have been. Or you may have heard something about it at that point. Totally. Anyway, again, uh, by by comparing the uh, the lineups, I'm not sure that you would enjoy oh, no. it nearly as much as where you're typically going. But I uh... like music. <laughs> uh, I, saw, okay. I saw. I'd say I think the hardest band I've ever seen there was the Used. Many, many, many oh, years ago. Oh my gosh! And that's and they're like they're like soft, like <laughs> you know, compared to a lot of the different metals. And that's you know, and I only saw them because the there was a band that opened for them that I wanted to see, so we hung around, but. Uh, on a on a scale of one to ten, <laughs> how important, how influential, and how much is music part of your life? Um, it's very important. Uh, I've just my my parents growing up listened to a lot of music, and I just don't know how to describe it. Uh, it's just been with me ever since, and every song. Some songs, you know, hit me harder than most. You know, I just, I just don't know how to describe it. Music is just really influential to me. Yeah, I, and again, I, when I see the post from you or Chris, it feels like almost every post is some form of concert or music festival or something of that nature. And I always think, like, holy shit, these guys are are at it every weekend or every opportunity, just living their best life off the course, and so so involved and uh yeah i i love it it's it's awesome so so a question that my friends and i will ask each other in general is there a band out there right now touring that you haven't seen that you really want to like who who is out there (laughs) like that you've either like missed or it's like oh my god we're in we're in portland for two weeks and then three weeks later they were there (laughs) i know i get it just touring pros (laughs) 
Who is it? Who is it? Like Lorna, Lorna Shore, one of my favorite bands right now, was in Spokane yesterday. And mm. that's where I'm from. So I'm like, <laughs> so I'm looking at all my friends' Snapchats and <laughs> watching it. I know. Whenever I travel, I always look at like what's going on that night, what bands are playing. If I have to go to Florida or wherever for work, do, do you do that? Do you yeah. kind of map out like bands as, as far as along the tour and things that you're going to go find out and see? Yeah. Like I have this app called Bands in Town. And you literally just set your location and tells you everybody who's coming either that day or the weekend. Oh. Um, but yeah, when I see like Chris's or I's favorite artists on tour, it's fun to see if like we can try to work it out. So, yeah. All right. I think my last music related question is okay. <laughs> who, um, uh, who else goes to as many or is as interested in and uh and yeah is right there along with you guys is there any any other touring pro or player or tour manager anyone else that is like you're like oh yeah you're here like every show you just expect them to be there as well is there anyone else that's going to as much as you guys are someone who i'm thinking of is Paige pierce Mm -hmm. uh but i don't think we go to the same shows but she does love music but I, there is this one instance last year. We're going, Chris and I are going to see Kezo, another dubstep artist. And we get there and Leah Jenny is there. Okay. Maddie O is there. Kevin Jones is there. Paige Pierce is there. Nate Perkins. And like <laughs> all of us are sitting on the dance floor. We're all just like headbanging and dancing together. It was just so cool. It was so cool. <laughs> That that sounds like a good time, and yeah, everyone you just named, I think we do often see commenting, and and it feels like Paige, and Nate, and James have really even taken up their their festivaling to like another level in the last couple of years as well. So that I guess that answer makes perfect sense. All right. Well, without being too nosy, do, do you have disc golf related things that you're doing tomorrow? Is is I know you you said you have some stuff going on. Is there uh, what, what, yeah, how are you prepping for this weekend's event? Yeah, tomorrow Chris has a filmed round at 9 a.m., uh, okay. so I'm probably going to go before him and play a quick practice round. I'm hope it's they don't tee times, which is kind of lame because I want to play with some people, mm-hmm. uh, but that's okay. But Monday we practiced, today we practiced longer, and then tomorrow we're just doing one shot and then see what we can score and then rest up because we got a long four days ahead of us. You certainly, you certainly do. Uh, who you, you just mentioned that you got to play with Kristen and you had that, those moments. Um, who, who else? Is there anyone else that you haven't played with yet that, you know, may, you may or may not have the same amount of accolades and praise for, but who else are you, have, are you looking to play with that maybe you haven't yet, or have you played with almost everyone else? At some time. I haven't played with Paige Pierce yet, okay. and that would be awesome okay. if I could do that. <laughs> that uh, yeah, mm-hmm. usually if you're playing on Paige's card, you've done something uh, quite well. Exactly. And uh, that's a good sign. I mean, anytime you're in her company uh, on one of the, you know, after the yeah. first round, usually that means something good. I know she's had a few struggles, but 
that's often a good thing. So, all right. Is there anything? This is open floor uh, for you to list off any additional sponsors, ways we can find you on social media. If you want support, how people can support you. Give us the give us give everyone the the rundown. Sure. Um, so I uh, am sponsored by Westside Dis and Darkest Apparel and Local Line Apparel. Uh, they are all amazing companies. Go ahead and check them out. Uh, oh gosh, I'm having a brain fart. I'm sorry. Okay, yeah, my Instagram handle is always winning, mm-hmm. and <laughs> my last name is Win. So a lot of people are like, "What the heck is your Instagram handle?" <laughs> it's always winning. And yes. Yeah. Just go ahead and find me on there and give me a like or a follow. Awesome. I just linked to it here in the in the chat right now. Uh, under always winning so i've got you listed there we'll try and get it into the show notes uh into the description of the video as well but yes you can go out and then uh like you said we could go out and find you uh support this uh and everything else on all those other sites that you just mentioned yeah totally this and socks and towels yeah all right. Well, we're going to, again, we're going to cut it short with you so that you can uh, get up for your early morning. I know it's uh, even an hour later there uh, over there in Georgia, and I'm glad we had the conversation about uh, which time zone we were both in so that there was no confusion here. <laughs> and so I, I do sincerely. Totally. You said you're like an old woman. How, how is this? that you go, How do you go to all these concerts and, and have all this fun, but then you tell me that you're normally in bed by like 9 o'clock? Something's not adding up there. Yeah, I'm like kind of dreading EDC, like staying up super late already. But I just got to do it, man. <laughs> well, I, I can... don't know. I just, I mean, I just love mornings. Like, if I go to bed at nine, I can wake up at like five, and it's just peaceful. Chris is sleeping, and I can do whatever I want. <laughs> I just love mornings. And I mean, you're lucky because the majority of the time, the FPO are playing in the morning, so it makes a lot of sense for you to be kind of that. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Go. Some right. some women are like, man, I'm so tired. I haven't had my coffee. As soon as I wake up, I'm like, good morning. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you're you're the spark of energy running around out on the course, uh, waking everyone up. I love it. Uh, well, Hannah, congratulations on the stellar play this weekend. We're as you said, we're hoping that this is just the first of many, and we hope that you also get to uh, have those experiences playing with other top level competitors because as we know when you're playing with Kristen or you're playing with Paige you're almost guaranteed to be uh, in, in a very competitive position anytime you're on their card and I, that sounds like it's going to be a bonus perk for you uh, moving forward for a little bit but thank you so much for joining I, I, I know the world loved uh, hearing a little bit more about you and getting to know you a little bit more tonight so thank you so much cool thank you for the opportunity all Always. right. Good luck to you this weekend. Good luck. Yeah. Good luck yeah, this weekend. We'll be at the watching major. and paying attention. And uh, yeah, we'll look forward to uh, seeing how things go for you at the first major. So good luck, and uh, we'll see you later. Good awesome. Night. Thanks, guys. Good night. See ya. Bye. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. 
That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All right. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Hannah Wynn. I, again, I, she told me earlier that she goes to bed early, and I just didn't. Uh, I, of course, I know you can separate your fun from your business. But, you can't. Uh, I, yeah. Other people can. <laughs> but you to, can't. To have her say that she uh, she loves to do these uh, wild concerts and outings, but then loves to uh, get up early. Well, that sounds like a twenty four hour gig to me. At that point, <laughs> you're out late, and then yeah, in one way or another. So thank you so much for joining us, Hannah. Now let's talk about the rest of the FPO division. What we saw this weekend. Uh, Chris and Tatar smashes. What? Yeah, surprise, surprise. Kristen Tatar oh, wins. Let uh, me get my shocked face out. By nine strokes. I mean, we were. We, it was getting a little scary. I think it got down to like four after the first hole when she double bogeyed. Yeah. And then she didn't. <laughs> and she okay. kept she kept birdieing. Um, but yes, Kristen Tatar, once again, I think she averaged over a thousand again this, this particular weekend. Uh, I, I'd have to go back and look at the exact numbers, but I know it's relatively close. Maybe it was like a mm-hmm. thousand and two or something. Yeah, somewhere on there. A uh, second place, Sarah Hokum, at thirteen, and I think that this is honestly a really good warm up for Sarah Hokum at the Champions Cup because mm-hmm. if you know Sarah, you know she's a woods golf player. That that's where she excels. By all means, you know, I, I I wouldn't be shocked to see Sarah Holcomb up in this type of position at the end of this weekend as well at Champions Cup. Uh, tied for third was our guest tonight, Hannah Wynn and Own Scoggins, uh, both at 12 under. In fifth place, Jessica Weiss, five, beh- uh, I'm sorry, four behind that. Um, behind her by one was Emily Beach and Ella Hansen. And then eighth place was Holland Hanley. Ninth place was Deanne Carey. And 10th place was Alexis Mondahano. Those are our top 10 for the FPO. I was going to say any crazy surprises there when, when you give it a quick glance or you, you, you dive in a little deeper, anything that really jumps off the page at you, Hannah, Honestly, mm-hmm. but just because we haven't seen her up in this position before, if if you were to tell me, you know, take Hannah's name out and you read off the top 10, I just go, okay, yeah, that's sure. That's about you right. Don't, you don't even do a double take. You don't do a double take. But the fact that Hannah is up there, it's it's really nice. Again, we're seeing fresh faces in the FPO field and new competitors. And hopefully she can, you know, keep this up and keep the momentum moving. All that great stuff that uh, we always say when we, we see these these new people kind of pop up. So uh, other than that, not really. There there was nothing as far as the division goes that I felt was out of the ordinary or shocking. Nobody, you know, that you were like, oh, my God, I can't believe this or this. So okay. it's just just a general silver event. All right. And then I love uh, and I think it's becoming more and more common, maybe that it just stays there. But I love seeing the cash line. Uh, posted right there on UDIS that gives you just uh, another indicator, mm-hmm. making it more obvious without going specifically to the PDGA page where you have to uh, dial it up. You can just take a look at it right there. So uh, for a moment, I was wondering, was there a cut uh, when I saw that? And 
with there being a uh, three-round event. There was no cut. No That's cut. the question is for this weekend. Does the Champions Cup have a cut? And I guess we could maybe ask or think about that more in a minute, but that's something that just hit me. It's a four-day event, four-round event major. Does it cut down? Is there a cut on the fourth round? That's a good question. So, <laughs> okay, I'll refrain from another snide remark, believe it or not. If there's Put not that a- one in the bucket. Save that for They're later. Refrained. Um, if there's not a cut, there should be. That's all I'll say about any four, okay. any four yeah. round any four round event. If there's not a cut, there should completely be. completely agree. Just that's guess what? After three rounds, you've had your chance. Get out. Let the big boys and big girls play. Yes. And somebody in, maybe in the comments can tell us for sure if there is or isn't. Schwebby says should be a cut. Yeah, well, we that's, don't know what, if, that's what we say too, Schwebby. You're you're right there with us, Schwebby. All right, we're going to talk about the MPO division over at Innova Blue Ridge Champs. The Gorge is the course that they played. And let me inter- intercept right there. Uh, you said it, and I and I understand that it was posted on social by the DGPT or, or Statman or both. I get that the FPO was score was lower. The, the winner's score. The winner's score. Tatar was 22. Gannon was 18. And I'm not talking about his age. Uh of course, that feels a little disingenuous because what? they're on totally... I mean, if you take it at face value, yes, of course. Their scores are different. Mm-hmm. They're playing totally different courses yeah. and layouts. It's not just was the layout. It was also a totally different yeah. course. It would be different it if... It felt, to me, I mean, I, I get it. We can point it out. It didn't excite me like maybe it did some others. I mean, look at... I'll use Ledgestone as an example. Comparing Sunset to Eureka. You know, what's a good score on Eureka? Yeah. What's a good score on Sunset? I mean, those... So I, I, I completely understand. I was just happy, obviously, that the the score, the F, top FPO score was better, which we don't usually see. But you're right. The course is better attuned to the to the women. They played the Boulders course. Uh, yeah, and let me be very clear. I, I love it as well. Clearly, I, I, I need to go back and consume mm-hmm. more of the actual golf. But clearly, as Hannah pointed out, and as I think... Lot, I'm assuming a lot of other women would point out it, it the course must have been set up very appropriate to the skill yes. sets which our FPO and, division uh, has acquired and brings to the course and I love it to see so and I don't want to say because clearly not I, I think people misconstrue this and say well you're just saying make everything short so women can birdie every hole no that's not what people are saying we're saying have the appropriate design so that birdies are obtainable for more of the field, not just the longest one or two throwers. Mm-hmm. And it, when you see the scores that we've seen this weekend, it looks to me. Now I didn't break down every single hole in the in the in the and no. how they all played. I'm sure there were a few bad holes out there, but it is very exciting to see that it you know 17 pars and a and a birdie wasn't you know considered <laughs> the best round out there. So I do love that. Now, uh, go ahead and segue over here to a different course that the men played for all three rounds. Yes. Winning for the second time off of a chase card this year. This year, Gannon Burr with an 18 under par. Second place, Bradley Williams at 16 under par. And there's a lot of uh, 
chitter chatter about his particular score, which we'll get into in a, a few minutes. Kyle Klein takes third. Uh, Kyle had a a really good run at it up until about the last six holes, when unfortunately he knocked himself out with uh, with two doubles. And, and he, without those two doubles, he's right there. And even even doubled the final hole, which he was probably running at in order to maybe make up some strokes. But Kyle was in this. This was a very tight race up until Gannon decided to to come in. And there's again, there's more story behind it. Fourth place was Calvin Heinberg at 13 under par. Uh, fifth place, Isaac Robinson's tied for sixth. Ricky Wysocki and Ben Calloway. Eighth place, Vino Makala. Ninth tied with Mason Ford and Jakob Samarad. Oh, as well as Chris Dickerson. Sorry, I almost missed his name. C. Dick. C. Dick, those are your top 10 in the MPO. What do you want to talk about on this event? Because I've got a lot of takes, and I've got some some of them which are hot, some of which are not. Well, as I've, again, full disclaimer, with me hosting an event this weekend, I saw a few highlights via... Same here. Via post or uh, I'm sorry, uh, via socials. Very few highlights. Um, clearly, one of the, co- the bigger conversation pieces was the Calvin Heimberg crawling up onto a rock, and then Bradley Williams, which was more interesting than anything. That wasn't necessarily uh, anything uh, uh, earth shattering. Uh, Kyle was leading after round one, mm-hmm. if I recall. I remember seeing that. And then the only other, I don't want to call it the other takeaway. Uh, Ricky Wysocki played. Finished in a tie for six, which we'll get into because I don't think we're going to see him at Champions Cup. He's already pulled out. And so uh, those were some of the things for me that I saw um, from the, yeah, from the weekend. That that was about it. So the big story that everyone is kind of talking about is hole 18. And not just that, but the way it was played between Gannon and Bradley, Um, it, and again, I, I caught highlights, but it did sound like this, this was Gannon's weekend. He got all of the lucky breaks as one sometimes does mm-hmm. and he didn't really get a bad kick good for him sometimes it's your weekend and that you just have to kind of acknowledge that uh but there was a it was like a 45 minute lightning delay on the final round okay and so when they get back on the course gannon finishes the round and bradley is on the lead card because gannon was on the second card Bradley lays up on hole 17 to take his three. He gets to hole 18, and he's down by two going into hole 18. He, and the way, hole, the way hole 18 plays, kind of a long, skinny fairway with a little island at the top and some really awful, stupid, dumb, I don't know whoever thought of these rules should be shot, uh, oh, basically never allowed to make rules again. But hole 18's rules were out there. If you didn't hit the island, you had to re-tee from... Where you threw it, stroke and distance, bad, 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 bad. I'll get that taken a little bit, but bad rules. So Bradley has a chance to tie it with a throw in. So he throws his first shot. He lays up his second shot to a position where he may be able to run at it. The skies open up. It starts pouring Word is on the ground that he you could hardly even see the basket. It was raining so hard. Okay. And so Bradley, with an, with an opportunity to win by running at it. Instead, he has to make it. He has to make it. Which gives him a birdie? Which would give him a birdie. Now, this, again, he, he threw a shot, and then he threw another shot. So he didn't go for the island on a second shot. He laid up so he's even closer. So mm. 
So he has a, a run at the basket. He lays it up. Doesn't even lay up to the island. He lays, purposefully lays up previously to the island because he knows if he runs at it and misses, he has to take it from his position. Mm-hmm. So instead, what he does, he concedes the bogey. He lays up to before the island. He lays up another shot under the basket on the island and taps in for his five. And the argument... But that's still a bogey. Correct. Why, why? Yes. He, he concedes his bogey. He takes it. He, he decides on his second shot not to go for the island on his third. He lays up, like, short. So he so can just... he pitches over, though, that, that, that's his that, third that gets throw. That would get him his par. And so the, the big concern here is that, again, down by two, his second shot, he could have run at it and gotten it. Mm-hmm. But he didn't. He conceded his his bogey. He could have taken the, the the birdie three instead of the five and tied. He could have run at his third shot to win. But instead, he laid up not even to the island. Oh. He, he laid up short of the island. So he laid up twice. He laid up twice. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that, that I felt like S- sorry. you were missing. <laughs> he, lay, he literally laid up twice. So the argument is, are you playing to win? Or are you playing? Well, and then at that point, he's clearly not playing to win. He, he's clearly not the discussion is on that should you play to should you play to win if you're in Bradley's position you have a chance to win a silver event if you have a miraculous throw in probably we'll just say a maybe you've got a a, a one in a hundred shot of putting that in but the problem is if he misses that he goes back to his stroke and distance then he maybe has to go at the island again or lay it up lay it up put mm-hmm. it in and who knows what that second layup could look like. You know, just it's it's the reason why in the NFL they kick field goals on third down. You just don't know what's going to happen, and you might have to take another kick. He chose to he chose to take the safe route. He and then he went on Instagram and said, "Yeah, um, my plan was to lay up on 17, and originally the plan was to go for it on 18, but with what happened with the weather, took it took it out of contention. I didn't feel comfortable. I didn't want to do it. And so the argument is, do you go for the win? Is the it was a $1,000 difference between second and third. Do you take the $1,000 in your pocket? Is that more valuable than the tiny percentage chance of winning this event? Well, I mean, he has to, I mean, are you saying or even tying, forcing, yeah, forcing a playoff? Forcing a playoff, we'll say. Kind of Conrad, not winning, of course. Giving yourself the chance to win, to, to get to a playoff, to, yeah. which I don't think anyone wanted to do in the rain, to be honest. Yeah, probably, uh, I mean, but, you have to be thinking about that in the bigger picture then, too, as well. My contention is that Bradley made the right choice. I know some people don't agree. Some people think, you know, if you're out there and you're in contention, you should try to win. My thought was... Bradley has more wins in Texas than any other player. My contention is that they don't care about winning silver events. Like if they, if they want, like there are certain players that try to win no matter what. Macbeth, Ricky, they don't care second versus twelve. Sure. If 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 that if that's the difference, they don't care. The win for the thousand dollars for Bradley is more. He even came, went on his Instagram and he said so. The thousand dollars, he's not a guy that's making a lot of money. He's making enough to travel. That's kind of it. So. The the $1,000 is more important to him than the win. The potential the potential, yeah. I yeah. think that I, I think know, that's I keep a saying, key factor. I, like, yeah, he's not guaranteed anything. No, he's not guaranteed anything. He, because he, he, he could he still... birdies... If he, if he takes the three... Correct. And he goes then he goes to a playoff with Gannon. Yeah. So, I'm with 
Bradley here. I know some people aren't. I am personally with him. I, I don't think he's already Bradley has two elite series wins in his career. Mm-hmm. The very first one and then the preserve last year. Yeah. Two years ago? Last year. It was last year. That sounds right. Yeah, last yeah. year. I'm getting old. I forget these years. What good, honestly, is a silver event going to do for him? Like, what, if you win a silver event, does that raise your profile really that much more for him? No, I mean, it, it, it gets him a bonus, I'm sure, with Innova. Of course. Uh, and maybe one or two of his other sponsors, there's some kind mm-hmm. of additional bonus to that. But again, I think it's so crucial that not only uh, he has to win, he has to force mm-hmm. the playoff and, and still, then still win. And still be Gannon Burr, the yeah, hottest player I mean, on tour. And it, but, with weather conditions not sounding great, yeah. so on and so forth, like... It, to me, it sounds like, from as you've described it, it sounds like a very calculated and logical thing. It, it and, is. I don't. I don't fault Bradley at all for it. I don't. Again, Bradley maybe never have winning an event of this scale or magnitude in his mm-hmm. life. Maybe then he's looking at it differently and makes different decisions. Yes. Again, lots of things could be said there, but Bradley Williams knows what he's doing out there. And even if you don't like what he did. It's too bad. Yeah, bad. I know exactly. Right? It's kind of the takeaway. I, I, uh, I, I, I just, I'm, I'm good with it. I, I really feel like if you've already won an, an elite event, these silver wins they don't mean much to you. Yeah, these, I mean, of these, course, nobody doesn't. Yeah, these silver everybody events, loves a win, everybody no wants to win. What level, whether it's a C tier or a national mm-hmm. or a, an elite series. Everyone loves a win, but yes, yeah. you're saying it doesn't carry the weight. Again, when you're talking that, like about a Sayananda Bradley... or, or or Macy Valadez, like those are players who have not won an elite event that they probably value this silver event win much more, rightfully so. Yeah, Brad, I mean, as we know, Bradley's got more wins in Texas than more player than than tournaments a lot of people have played. Yeah, exactly. And, and so this particular my contention is a lot of these pros don't really care about the silver events and yeah. and. If it was that the discussion I had today was this event was gone to because it's on the tour. You put this event 300 miles the other direction, but you have those top pros don't even go because they're going to get ready for champion champions cup. Yeah. I, I, I just feel like the silver events are silver events for a reason. It's great. This course was beautiful. It was gorgeous. And the rules were insane. It is the same complaint I have about USDGC every year. At all of the rules or just rules on some some holes? some holes like it it was very much it felt very much usdgc inspired like where at one point kelvin was in a ravine through to an island green didn't make the island green and then didn't quite know what to do he literally had to go to his caddy guide i hate i hate courses where you need a decoder ring or you need to check the rules every single hole you go OB. Yeah. Like it 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 ruins it as experience for a viewer because I'm not sitting with a with a, a caddy guide in front of me. I don't know what it is. If if I'm new to the sport, I'm thinking like what wait, he went OB last time and he took it from where he went OB. Now he's got to go to throw it from where he's at again? Like I just so and saying all of that I'm totally fine with this being a silver event. If you didn't change the rules, I don't care that it's a silver event. If this were to ever elevate to an elite or a well, a major for whatever reason, I don't want to see these rules flat out. This had between the MPO and the FPO nine PDGA exemptions for holes and stroke and distance on one hole, which the fact that this event was even rated period, I think is a joke. 
We saw people take 11s, 13s, 19s on one hole. USDGC gets shut down for ratings because of more or less one hole. It's more like two holes, but it, I'm okay with the way they did this tournament and events. I don't think it should have been rated. And if you change, if this event becomes something other than a silver event, you have to change all the rules. I, with a passion that fires inside of me, I hate, hate, hate a bunch of different rules on different holes. Yeah, I what I don't love, and I, I'll echo what you're saying in the sense that it sometimes feels like you almost, and I'm all about course prep. I'm all about mm-hmm. players being professional and having oh, yeah. to know what the rules are and what they need to do. But when you go to an event like the USDGC, sometimes it does, as you said, you you have like the 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 caddy guides are incredible. They're gorgeous. They're gorgeous and they look great. But there's also what feels like two or three pages of legalese on them <laughs> when you're opening them. And just like you said, there's this confusion factor that sets in of like, wait, I went OB here. Wait, this has yellow rope or this has or, it used to be red rope yeah, or yellow rope. Various colored ropes. Now uh, they're getting yeah. They're anyway. Um, this is on the green or that's on the green or whatever. And like you said, it's for, uh, not that we're playing disc golf just for the viewer's experience, but as you said, it can be very easily confusing as to when a rule, especially when they're not consistent within the entire tournament. If you you may love or hate stroke and distance, but Mm -hmm. when it's applied evenly throughout, it at least makes a little bit more sense for that given weekend. Sure. But when you have stroke and distance just on one or two or three particular holes, that I think it's really mm-hmm. confusing. And I know that's a designer's way to, I don't want to say artificially, but to manipulate and change up how a hole gets played and to then challenge the player. I'm not an idiot. We know why it's there. Of course. It's just a matter of when it's implemented, it can become incredibly confusing uh, to both the players and mm-hmm. and to the viewers, and and as you said, if you need to like have a have practically a, a master's degree or a PhD <laughs> in trying to follow what gets done on any given hole, then at that point it starts to feel a little bit like overkill. I just so. want consistency, at least in the majors, and preferably in the elite events. This is a perfect silver event. Like I. I I wouldn't even if you didn't change the rules, I'm okay as long as it stays a silver event forever. I I, honestly, I don't really mind because to me, I have zero expectations of a silver event. It it, it can be as circusy as some people say, as you want. It can have all the fun rules. Some of the greens here were really interesting, had some really cool rock formations, baskets kind of inside rock Mm -hmm. forts. And it was a beautiful course. And I think there's a lot of potential to do certain things. I, I just, I just wouldn't want. I'm I'm a little disappointed in the PDGA in that this was rated at all. That's my that that's the one big takeaway. I don't think this should have been rated. You just make it an X tier of some sort and move on. That's fine. Keep all the rules. Make it an X tier. Go yeah, go go. Because we're definitely at, at and this goes along with the USDGC logic. You're definitely skewing ratings and experiences and and veering wildly Mm. from the norm when you see one of our top players take a 12 or a 13 or a 15 or whatever and that's not to say that uh yeah i mean that's that's exactly what it is it it's just 
not the norm, and it's not because the shot is so incredibly difficult and, oh, the, and no one can handle it. I mean, you look at hole three at Music City, and everyone's like, well, I don't know how to handle this, you know, the design, this and that. Like, it was still a the, a, a a very parable, basic shot mm-hmm. um, that was awkward. When you come to some of these other shots, 18 wasn't necessarily difficult in that sense. It's just the way that it was played and then the punishment that went it along was the, with it. It was the punishment, really. And let me say, this course, it forced players to throw some shots you don't see a lot of. Big flex shots, like forced flex. And Anheuser's, like pure Anheuser's off the tee that have to come back. And just, it, I liked the course. I'm going to be clear about that. I liked the course. And I, and I hope we do see this on tour more. I think this is this is a perfect... The, don't, the only downside is the cell signal issue. There were issues, mm. a little bit of issues with U-Disc at times not updating. PDGA Live was fine because I think it's different. It's a different. It's programmed a different way so that it kind of can it can take the the outages a little bit better than U-Disc can. Um, but the cell signal up there for live, you could tell that the cell signal was mediocre because it was a little bit blurry at times. It would they kind of had to work around a, a hole or two. And my understanding is that our normal backpacks, which are on about a two second delay, the longer the delay, the more buffer that the system has. So it can pull in the data, work it and send it up. The longer that is, the better chance you have of not having interruptions. We're normally on about a two second delay. Sometimes we can go down to one on a really good course. This was on a 10 second delay. Wow. So this was very similar to how we used to do things, um, you know, five years ago. And that is that's very difficult to from a pers- from a production perspective to talk to your cameramen who are ten seconds ahead of you. Yeah, and it's so a you, whole different. It's a whole different directing experience, and I'm, uh, yeah, it's 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 definitely a miracle of broadcasting this weekend. Says Mo. Um, yeah, that's. I mean, Mo Mo's getting the feeling of exactly how we used to play it, where you're the director isn't or producer isn't hardly producing. They're really kind of playing off of what the cameramen do. You're relying on your cameraman a lot more to do things. Future instructions, which normally you tell a cameraman to do something and they do it. This one, they're kind of leading the show, and you have to trust them so much. And it, it is it is a whole different experience. So. Uh, Props to the crew who was in the uh, in the booth and not only just the commentators, but the cameraman, uh, the producer, director, all those guys. You did a, a phenomenal job with what you had. And I, I, from coming from my perspective, I can see that. So good job. I didn't see it, but I assume they did great. I'm going to go with that. That's not what you said. You were like, God, man, these guys. <laughs> uh, real quick, it was we were just talking about ratings earlier. You mentioned it. Assuming the the ratings uh, count and and follow through as we expect that they would at this point, uh, Kristen averaged ten ten golf ten 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 Jeez. ten golf on the weekend is what Kristen averaged and Gannon I think I saw ten sixty five essentially was the average uh, for him on the weekend uh, to see that and then I think I saw during the final round there was one birdie on hole eighteen. During the final round, which yeah. uh, is crazy, there was only three birdies during the second round, and during round number one, there were uh, six birdies. So that better weather, be- sure. Just in general, in though, first you're round, talking about first round, people birdies, going at things that you just are like, I- I'll try it. You ten know? birdies <laughs> on that hole for the entire weekend. I, yeah, um, 
and and I guess maybe another question becomes, and and then we can drop this is, does that whole feel differently to players, to spectators, to everyone else if it's not the 18th hole? If just randomly that's hole mm. two or that's hole nine, does it feel a little more palatable as opposed to not with those watching some of this, these players and then watching somebody end their day, end their round on a on a 10 or an 11 or a 7 or whatever. It's kind of leave a bad taste in your mouth. Uh, that's why I'm just saying, does it feel different if that particular hole is somewhere else on the course? I think just I think as I think it probably feels better as a player as for me as a viewer, it doesn't change my perspective on the hole. I I still don't like the rules of the hole regardless if it's the 2nd, the 5th or the 18th. But unfortunately with the way the rules are, I think it kind of It kind of wrecked the excitement of the end of the tournament, which a lot of people love. A lot of people like those really exciting last two or three holes. Like, oh, man, we're going to see something happen. Because of the way the rules were not enforced, but were created, I feel like it really dampered that. And so, and and that's, again, that's a personal preference. If, If you don't want 18 to be like the deciding hole, then that's fine. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that as a course designer. I feel like we're, we rely so heavily on, you know, Oh, let's get to the 18th hole. And then we're going to, you know, we're going to give them the craziest, hardest hole we can imagine. Cause we want to see, we want to see players the drama, unfold the, the on drama 18. unfold on 18 when it's kind of like, do we, do we need to do that? Yeah. It, it, it is exciting, but I, uh, it's kind of, uh, yeah, I don't know. You've worked for you know fifty four hole, fifty three other holes to to do your to do your best, and then they give you this this hole at the end that you've played two other times that yeah, could sway the uh, could sway the tournament. But again, it's all about playing smart. Keep it a silver event. I'm good. You know, there's a lot of hurdles in order for it to be an elite series event, which I don't think will we could in general uh, be overcome anytime shortly. Uh, I will go ahead and follow up that. Uh, thankfully, I did two seconds of research. I was under the impression that we were going to see, I don't know why, I, I do understand why, that this was also going to be the host of the U.S. women's event later this year. And and if my two seconds of research tells me this is not the venue, and for okay. some reason I thought it was. Oh, really? Um, but I'm seeing that it is listed in Burlington and uh, at Cedar Rock Park. Which I I don't know I I just assumed for whatever reason we were here I know this venue has really been um, you know coming up and doing what they're doing for some reason I had a, at some point in my own brain affili- affiliated the event with this property but it does not seem to be the case uh, as that's taking place in Burlington North Carolina so uh, I'm glad I didn't carry on with anything else there but. I'll admit that's what I was thinking uh, leading into this. Honestly, hmm. I thought, oh, this is a great preview. Um, you know, this gives us some ideas, but it, it really does not. So. It does not. Let's move on to Champions Cup talk. We got rid of what happened. Oh, well, wait. No, we'll save it for after show. We'll save your skyline for the after show, Terry. I guess. I mean, we got it. Nobody these, puts my B tier baby in a corner. These people have to have something to come back for. <laughs> that's true. I mean, that's true. Wanting yeah. to know what took place at my B tier this weekend. That yeah. is, we're going to tease that one out. <laughs> tease that one out. Champions Cup. Yesterday was the play in event. We saw some players make it. We saw some players <laughs> did not make it. Uh, some top players. That's how play ins work. Interesting. Uh, 
the players that did oh gosh i'm gonna have to pull up the list now um yeah it's um oops that's not the one i don't want to go to i went to skip base um I, I did. That is it. Yeah. If you, if you want to go to skip base, there is an article out there about the players that made it and the ones that didn't, who's in, who's out. Yeah. You'd um, think this would be all on the top of your head then instead of having to go look. It, it, you'd, you would think that, but you'd think wrong, Terry. So I do know that James Conrad won the play-in event, which got him off the waiting list. I'm just going to dub this the waiting list open. So yeah. for, <laughs> you can uh, take that for what you want. Uh, it was listed... <laughs> Now go more to your left and go down a little bit. Because it's technically was on the seventeenth. You could probably just look for April seventeenth. Yeah. On your on your now is that gone too? Oh. Oh, they must have they must have pulled the no, there it the is. play in. Champions All right, Cup Monday qualifier. Monday qualifier. I got you here, Johnny. Thank you, Terry. Oh, there it here is. Here we yep. go. I got it too. So Whatever. I beat you. All right, you James did. Conrad had the hot score. He shot 59. <laughs> now, uh, Conrad shot the hot score. Uh, that was a seven under. Chandler Fry had that's a the pretty second. Sol- that's a really solid score out there. Uh, Chandler Fry had the second best score on the MPO side with a six under, which is a 60. Uh, Aaron Goose Gossage uh, shot a five under, along with Nate Perkins, along with Dylan Horst, along with Tim Barham, along with Andrew Presnell, along with Matt Dollar. Those four unders were, in fact, the cutoff. All eight of those competitors, there was not a tie at that point, which um, could have made things even more interesting. But eight competitors were going to move in to the the Champions Cup, the actual event. And then it ended up being, what, a four or five way tie for Mm -hmm. the the spots that came to exactly eight in total. And that four under people missing the cut, which is also just as much of the conversation, included Ezra Aderhold, Garrett Gerthy. Kevin Jones, Andrew Marweed, Luke Humphreys, um, Noah Meinsma, and Austin Hannum. Skipped over a few other names. They are not as much your touring players and your heavier hitters. But, but yes. Luke Humphreys is in. Yes. And how did he get in, Johnny? Tell them. <laughs> so Tell them what they've won. If they, he got in off the waiting list, funny enough. Um if you play on Monday, this play-in event, mm-hmm. and you, you've you've racked up your scores here, and someone then withdraws, who should get in, Terry? The first person on the w- left that's on the waiting list, or the person who shot the next best score? Like, I, I, I will be the first to admit, I am glad this is a decision that, A, I hope was uh laid out somewhere before I think they made the and, right choice and but. and B I'm glad I I'm not responsible for relaying to any players yep. because the- it is a very good question now I I do believe the waiting list Me is too. the way to go and that's the way they did go because Luke Humphreys I believe was number 1 on the waiting list so even though he didn't qualify at the Monday qualifier he still got in because uh, a few MPO players have dropped out including one Ricky Wysocki. Ricky what? Um, and there was one other one because I believe Clint Kelvin also made it in off the wait list. Ah. Which is funny because Clint Kelvin Cause isn't Clint even didn't... didn't even play the, the Monday qualifier. Which I think he probably could have qualified for. Maybe he just didn't want to. Maybe he just assumed that I'm I'm hoping to get in. I don't even need to play this round. But the funnier story is in the FPO field where you had five players for four spots. Jessica Weiss. Silva Sardinen, I'm sure I screwed that up. 
Emily Beach and Haley Childs qualified, leaving Leah Sinaginni, quote unquote, out in the cold. You and I talked this weekend and I said, you know what's going to happen? I bet you everyone makes it in. Because sure enough, we had two withdraws. Mm. We had um, Valerie Mondahano mm-hmm. came out and said that her ankle still is not healing up uh, to spec. So she doesn't want to risk injury. So she withdrew. And then Kona also withdrew with some shoulder injury issue. So that opened up two spots, which then let Leah in. So ultimately, the FPO plan was useless. Quote unquote, quote unquote useless. It's a good practice round. Congratulations. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's it is. It's a competitive practice round. And I bet you if Jessica Weiss shoots a one under, she'd probably be kind of relatively happy with that score. And so ultimately, everyone from the FPO got in. There are still a few players from MPO. It wouldn't shock me to see whoever's on the waiting list, top of the waiting list, still maybe get in. Um, I guess Noah Meinsmo was actually at the top of one of the top of the waiting list. They called him, but he declined. Interesting. My, my guess is maybe he start he after Monday he went maybe went home to Minnesota. Was like cool. I'm out of here, guys. Or, I didn't or, get in. Yeah, or just mentally checked out of it. Went to the mm-hmm. next part of the country. Yeah, moved. Or down. started heading west. Or, or maybe yeah, sure he could be in Jonesboro. I guess you'd maybe still make the trip. Whatever the case might be. Yeah, there could have been a lot of things that mm-hmm. uh, at that at so. that time when you think you're not getting in, you're going to say okay, thanks, but no thanks. So. Yeah, I can't say it enough. I am I I don't know if that was predetermined. I'm guessing it was. I'm guessing somebody thought about that at one point and said, "Hey, even after our play in, if somebody if another spot opens, who does it go to?" I'm hoping that was talked about. I'm hoping that was relayed just from a transparency and a, a dotting your eyes and crossing your T's perspective. Certain, but I am again glad I d- I wouldn't have had to make that <laughs> phone call and say, "Hey, actually, uh, who?" I'm sorry, who was next on the? I don't know. Whoever the the three unders. Yeah, you know. Hey, actually, Ezra, who's been one of the most one of the most vocal and, about not getting and in. you're yeah. still not getting in. I know you had the next best score, but or double G. Well, the you had the next part- best score. And you have the lowest PDGA number of all those guys as just one other random tiebreaker. You're still not getting in, no matter how much jerky you give us. I mean, because there could be a few ways you could go about this. You could bring all three guys who shot three under and say, "Go play a playoff." No, yeah, no, you can go play. Yeah, <laughs> another eighteen holes. Yeah, I mean, um, there's you. You could look at it and say, "Okay, uh, of these three players, this person is highest on the waiting list." You know, oh, so pull from the next pull from look the at those scoring section and then take the highest and then, of that and then sort that, it by the that, waiting list. That would be another way, a plausible way to do it. I, I think they did the right way and just took the top of the waiting list, regardless of score. Um, but <laughs> you got to you got to understand, like there's you could make an argument on any one of those. Like, yeah, it, it glad it wasn't me. <laughs> it wasn't me. Shaggy. So there you go. So that's what we're going to see. The question is. Is there now, and again, I haven't checked the policies, is there now an official deadline to even if four more people withdrew tomorrow's Wednesday, right? If four more people withdrew tomorrow on the MPO side, would the next four waiting list people get in? Or are we at a point now within some details of the event that say, hey, Reg is officially closed no matter what? That I don't know. I'll say this. If I'm double G... If I'm Ezra Aderhold, who are probably sticking around for whatever reason, I could I would make the argument if like one or two more people withdrew and there was nobody else on the waiting list and you know they're they're not around, they've declined it, like nope, I'm gone, whatever. I I, I would make the argument that I 
would play even tomorrow. I think up until tomorrow, you could make that you make that argument, and I wouldn't be opposed to it. Yeah, I just know it's, at a certain point we we have to have some form, or or don't we have uh, some form of cutoffs? You know, and we we've seen this at some events in the past. There's a person who might be first on the waiting list, and they're hanging out at the scores or at the check-in tent on on Thursday. And they get there for the first MPO card at, I'm just going to call it 10 o'clock in the morning. And they literally are just sitting there waiting for one person to miss or to not show <laughs> up. And then immediately have been able to jump into that spot. I feel like those days are past us where that no longer even becomes an option for a certain scale of events. But that has happened in the past. Oh, yeah. So, uh, what was it? Silas Schultz at Jonesboro a year or two ago. I feel like was just literally sitting at the team, <laughs> just lingering waiting for somebody to not show up. Now that was, that was a Jonesboro. That was an elite series event different from a major, but mm-hmm. I, I guess we'll see. So, you want to hear my great idea, Terry? <laughs> no, because if you're saying it's great, <laughs> Oh, it's I'm great. Gonna, I'm going to just assume I don't think it's great. Terry. That's how, is, does that tell you how much faith I have? Terry, <laughs> let me tell you about my great idea. So this Monday was really exciting. Mm-hmm. We, we saw these top pros that were all fighting to get into the event. And that added some fun to Monday qualifying. Because I'll tell you what, in the future, we're not going to see this. More than likely, in the future, the PDGA is going to get their crap together. The players are going to get their crap together. Somehow together, they're going to get their craps together. Mm-hmm. And we're going to see all these top guys qualify and get in and register. I truly believe that. They, whatever wrinkles were in the system this year will be ironed out but what if we made it this exciting every year what if we just picked one 1040 rated player two 1030 rated players randomly three 1020 10 10 10 four and we made them play off even if they were pre-registered you the <laughs> Monday, so, so they'd have to gamble their spot. Uh, well, uh, uh, forced to gamble their 100%. spot. A hundred percent. So they're not even gambling at part, You just you pull them off. You say, guess what? We're pulling eighty off the course, or eighty out of the registration. Four of you are going to get in. The other four, here's five hundred dollars. Walk away if you don't get in. Just get you get five hundred dollars for competing and playing. Stupid. I, Stupid. Terry, this adds Stupid. excitement. Terry, and if you get if your name gets drawn. You're you are immune from this for like five years, like jury duty, like you like, were in yeah, the like pool. you like you did yep. jury duty. And I'm <laughs> you just were in the pool. I'm saying, how much more exciting would this be? Like suddenly everyone's got to show up on Monday, and you're like, oh my god, please don't pick me. It's like Hunger Games. Oh, please don't pick me. Or maybe you could even have someone tribute for you. Like, hey, guess what? They picked Alden Harris, and Alden's like, oh god. Well, can Gannon play for me? And Gannon's like, I'll play for you, and we do it that way. But if Gannon's out, oh, that's too bad. I'm but just if Gannon plays for him. And then Gannon gets kicked out. Oh. Well, yeah. Why would anyone ever volunteer for their buddy? I don't know. I Terry, I don't know. I haven't worked out all the I haven't worked out all of the uh the, the, the intricacies. I'd like to say this isn't your dumbest idea, but it's pretty damn good. Let me tell you, it's up there. But are you telling me this wouldn't add a lot of fun and excitement to the event? Um For us, not for the players. I don't really drama? care about them. Yes. Fun or excitement? Uh, I don't know about that. the The level of uh, listen of annoyance and frustration and dissent would drown out any fun oh, or excitement you could possibly hey, come imagine. On. Listen, could you just imagine like the players oh, hey, may Eagle, not like it? And, oh, hey Simon, 
uh, hey Eagle, hey whomever. If you're that good, you're good. You should call. You, you should. You should beat these players. But you show up. <laughs> Simon has a bad day, and then he's like, "Oh and, nope, you're no, you're now out." And it's a five hundred dollar bonus if you play and get in. Yeah, because that that's worth changing your <laughs> plane ticket and then not getting your money back on your hotel or your rental car because then you're able to go home early or have to. Uh, hey. Listen, why don't to, you just force them to say then they have to be uh, caddies, caddies on top? Of I, I don't want I, I don't want to force you to, want be it to mean anyone, right? Being a caddy isn't demeaning. No. Or, but, or yeah. OK, but I, I just I, I listen. I'm trying to find the excitement tear. Think about it, because people were saying it would have been awesome if this was live live streamed in the set. And as far as the live stream goes, the guys that were doing the live stream, they busted their butt all weekend. And half the cameramen probably weren't even in town yet. So the the Monday live stream wasn't going to happen. But I'm saying we could maybe make it happen if we if we had an event like this. I'm, stupid. <laughs> Doc, Terry. Stupid. Yes. Come on. Work with me, Terry. Uh, I don't know. I just I don't think you can. I, I would say you can't take away a guaranteed spot, but then again, a lot of these guys had a guaranteed spot at one did. point <laughs> they just... that they didn't that they didn't guarantee themselves uh, by writing. Is a it any dumber than wiping all the scores and playing match play? Uh, yeah, it's still dumber <laughs> than that, unfortunately. Dang it! Yes. So. All right, fine. We'll see. We'll see. I'm, I'm going to sell this, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, you you do that. Let me know how that works out. So that's what we're going to see in terms of who got in. I. I'm going to see if I can get any kind of answer. I may or may not give you some kind of answer here tonight, depending on uh, the message I just sent out as to what would happen if I'll just use the example again. If four if four MPO players woke up tomorrow morning and all four of them said, mm, "I withdraw," what happens for who who may or may not get in after that? I would you, hope the here's players another get in. interesting point before we move on from all this is. And clearly, she's got to do what's best for her. She She's not here to uh, appease or worry about the others in this sense. But is is Kona's timing a little inopportune and or um, just uh, obviously I'm assuming nothing more than a coincidence. But just think if Kona 24 hours earlier says, yes, I'm officially mm. withdrawing, then they don't have to have the play in at all. Sure. I mean, and and I'm not begrudging Kona, and and she probably was waiting to the last possible moment to explore every option. So I'm, this isn't a a rip on her in any capacity. I'm just saying, had her decision been made at some point earlier, that may have foregone the entire play-in scenario as well. It very well Possibly. could have, because there were only five women on the waiting list throughout, and that's mm-hmm. been consistent for the last few weeks. There's yeah. been five women. If Kona, you know, declares earlier. In theory, all five of those women got in. I don't, I don't know. Um, but that's just one other additional thought. So clearly it's going to suck. And I know Kona said she you know, hates the decision that she has to withdraw. She throws here very well. She loves the mm-hmm. course, as does everyone else. Um, but she's working with Seth and Disc Golf Strong and uh, wants to uh, you know, make sure she's as healthy as possible. So, And, and I guess thinking about it, like yet again, or not yet again, uh, in addition to all of that, Bushnell is clearly one of her uh, sponsors. sponsors and supporters. So there's definitely an element there where I'm sure she felt, you know, heartbroken that she's not able to compete. So I know she did say she's still going to be out and around on the course, come out, say hi and whatever. And she'll probably be walking with um, uh, Colton at some point, maybe kind of just hanging around the FPO field if she feels up for that. And, so. 
All right. Any other significant PDGA news, I guess, becomes then the question and or uh, updates or information. Uh, I think registrations have been uh, continuing to roll in. Uh, I'm now seeing as of uh, PDGA World Championship registration dates. Uh, they continue to give updates uh, Tuesday the 18th at 1030 Eastern Open registration for all current PDGA members for any divisions they're eligible for, for wait list, uh, for yeah, field divisions. Junior, AM Worlds, Masters, yep. Pro Worlds, they're, they're all open at this point for, for players that can qualify. Yeah, I'm, I'm reading through that uh, as we speak. So I did see that ticket sales are open now for Pro Worlds, mm. so you can buy your tickets. They, they've got two different VIP tickets, a mm. silver and a gold. The silver is $800 for the week, and the gold is $1,200 for the week. So if, you, if you're rolling with some fat bank and you want to be treated like, uh, like royalty, there's an option for you out there. Mm. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be curious to see what those all include. Uh, when you're talking about, I mean, you're talking about substantial amount of money at that point. Yeah, I mean, th- there's a special silver uh, merch package. Okay. Um, and then if you're the gold, you also get the silver merch package, of course, plus the gold. I think the gold might include like a, I don't want to say the wrong bag. It might be Squatch. I'm not sure. Uh, a bag with a bunch of goodies in it, a long sleeve. You get a, you get three rounds on the course. Hmm. Um, you, you get like a private tour with Jeff Spring. And that that's worth twelve hundred bucks right there. Uh, so. yeah, <laughs> dollars, not bot. No, no, not bot. Bucks, okay. dollars. Okay. Um, you there is uh food. You get passes to the Fall Fest. Okay, as well as special after party for the Fall Fest. Dang, it, there, there's a lot out there. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I'm looking at it now. I did find it, it. You get to go in the VIP area, and if it's like what it was at Smugs before, did I hear that all of Brewster is VIP only? At least that's what it was a year year or so ago, because it's it's so tight in general that the Brewster course is VIP only. That could be the same this year as it was in previous years, and obviously we don't know for sure. But if we're going according to what we've seen, the Brewster course is might be for VIPs only. Okay, I'm not I'm not seeing that specifically on this. No, page, I'm just saying that's, in, in that's what it was last year. So sure. people are maybe guessing that that's what it could be. Yeah, that's year. not what I'm seeing on here right now. But also talks about VIP access to the GK Pro Skins Match and Tournament Central, yes. uh, hospitality zones, opening ceremony access, concierge service. Wow. So uh, those are out there and available. Uh, in fact, I'm going to go ahead and even for while I'm here, I'm going to put a <laughs> click it, click it and ticket, put it right here in the comment for 1200. I want to be part of the GK Pro skins. <laughs> Good call. Uh, GK Pro, make that happen. Yeah. So I just ended up putting it there. Uh, so if you're following along live or in some other time, you can click on it. All right. Um, but you, there are to be to be clear. There are cheaper tickets, anywhere from $10 up to that $1,200. There are regular just day passes that you can get at the course uh, or online. I don't believe you'll be able to buy them probably on site. You'll probably have to buy them ahead of time. So, yeah, that's that's the uh, that's the PDGA news. I'm assuming well, tomorrow I, we're going to see a, a press conference. That sounds so. Does that sound right? And okay. probably some GK Pro skins uh, live on site, I'm going yes. to assume. 
Um, so what I have gathered in a, in a very unofficial, semi-official capacity, so that doesn't make sense, is that the spots will not be backfilled. Oh, if they're uh, as of midnight tonight. Okay. <laughs> if I was a player, would I just be a jerk and wait till like ten after twelve? Like I'm just I'm calling it now. Ouch. <laughs> like yeah. oh, yeah. Somebody's just sitting there thinking about withdrawing, and yeah, You're like oh, geez, do um, I really? Yeah. We, we will see if that uh, ends up being the case. But I, uh, a little birdie, has told me that. Uh, that as of right now, it doesn't appear that the spots are scheduled to be backfilled. Now, that may or may not change, uh, and that that could even be impacted by who's there, quote-unquote, who's there mm-hmm. to backfill them. If if some of these competitors or these people have left, or someone, like you said, like Noah, who may have been offered the spot and then he's not around or you know simply turns it down or says no thanks, uh, there could be some of that that happens as well, but... I, I don't have a problem with them locking it tonight at midnight. It, it, there's certain things you have to do when it comes to uh, scheduling rounds and the anticipation of having these cards completed or not. Or or here here's even a worst case scenario, which is very practical. Let's just say someone withdraws at 8 a.m. tomorrow morning. Let's we'll make up a time. 8 a.m. You go to the next person on the waiting list. How long do you give them to respond? You say, hey, you're next on the waiting list do you give them an hour, two hours, six hours? Like at what effort do you go to hunt this next person down on the mm-hmm. waiting list? And then you start to, there's just so many things that can come from that. So, um, and that kind of leads into a conversation and uh, <laughs> that we'll talk about in the after show with regards to withdrawals in general and or empty spots. I can elaborate from my event this weekend. And uh, I think if that's all we got, were there any other A tiers going on that we usually quickly recap in terms of what we see for winners out there on the PDGA circuit, Johnny? Well, if I look at the PDGA circuit and we're looking at A-tiers, which should be right about here. Oh, yeah, there were. There there are some A-tiers. We talked about them last year. There was the, uh, the uh, well, these are AM A-tiers. Eh, don't really care about them. Sorry. Uh, Bowling Green was an A-tier that had some pros at it, I believe. Bowling Green, pro it is. You're right, it is pro-AM. Of course I'm right. Eh, sure you are. Uh, MPO uh, Joey Buckets. Joey, I, I haven't looked at these results. Joey, nice. Joey Buckets. Joey Anderson. Joseph Anderson wins. He was tied with Joel Freeman and clearly won in a playoff for thirteen hundred dollars over Joel Freeman. Third place was Sam Lee. Fourth place was Tall Paul Omen. Fifth Levi Hancock. Sixth Tony Mo Rice. Nate Hecker in seventh. Nolan Blessing. And TJ Renfro tied for eighth and in tenth place, John Willis, the second. Not the first, not the third, only the second. Over on FPO, uh, Ashley Bauman wins by nine strokes over Taylor Kramer. Third place, Sabrina Williams. Fourth place, a tie with Nina Guerrero and Jackie Grammer. So, awesome. uh, and good friend of the show, Dutch Napier, Batman, one in MP40. Nice. And I just have to assume, we're, until he tells us otherwise, we're just going to assume Brian Schweberger racked up another win somewhere. I, I mean, right? I mean, the odds are that he did. At some so point I, this weekend. I, exactly. Probably. Uh, so that's why I'm just going to say he did win another one this weekend. And if that is inaccurate, then we can make a retraction, which we won't fix next week. But we're just going to assume that he did win somewhere this weekend. He won the 2023 <laughs> yes. North Carolina Pro Tour West Meadowbrook for 
345. Well, that doesn't sound confusing at all to start call, having events call themselves the North Carolina Pro Tour. Doesn't That won't be confusing to anybody ever. In Especially the when the Pro Tour is right next to North Carolina. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and also scrolling up on Schwebe, who's, of course, had a dominant season here already. He is your current leader in the Global Master Series rank, uh, which is uh, pretty cool. So congratulations. Oh, yeah, Schwebe. Schwebe's clarifying, yes. Uh, wins 363 and 364. Did oh, he wait, play in a t- Friday flex, probably? Uh, maybe. No, that was last week. Uh, okay, maybe it's just been two weeks since we announced you, but yeah, wins 363 and 364. And I'm going to take a real, this could be after show or it could be now, so I'm going to take a really quick sidestep into oh boy. Uh, thinking about some of our Masters players. I woke up <laughs> in a panic, and I, I so wish I would have called him today because I haven't told anyone mm. the story yet. I woke up in a panic this morning in a tizzy. Ooh. Because on hole number one, that was a perfect, perfect mix of, it was a morphed hole of hole one at Idlewild, somehow had a child with hole five at the USDGC, uh, the, the thousand plus, the thousand fifty eight footer or whatever at USDGC. Somehow those two got morphed into being one very similar hole. Okay. And... Just about to tee off. <laughs> Not only was he going to tee off, but as soon as he was done teeing off, he was going to do a quick like check in with his own vlog or something. But instead of him doing a check in with his vlog, just wait. Instead of him doing a check in with his own vlog, I was told, hey, can we check in with him? And we're going to do a quick live on camera check in with him. The Masters Age player was Kevin Gleason. What a random. <laughs> I know and I like and I love uh, Kevin. Sure. He creates content. Kevin Gleason was then teeing off on this hole, which had the which had a <laughs> the, the, the Zuka type truss up. And it had the very look, like the look of hole one at Idlewild, but then like Half the hole then morphed into, like I said, almost a USDGC hole five hole, a Winthrop gold hole, and he shanked it. Absolutely shanked it. And he gets done shanking it, throwing it out of bounds on this tee shot, and he then has to put down his mic that he was going to do his own check-in with on his own vlog because I have to interview him for, (laughs) for a live or something. After he's just shanked the tee shot, and he was furious at me because I took... But I'm like, no, you were just going to do a thing on camera anyway. It's just I'm going to interview you instead, and he was furious. Is this like a dream where you forget to do your homework, or you get to a... And you you, you get to a class and there's a test and you haven't studied like is this your new nightmare terry like you have to interview a player but right before you interview him they shank a disc is that your new i I hope not (laughs) but this happened and and again i know and like kevin uh so he's not like a stranger to me we also aren't calling each other weekly by any means either so like we're friends but mm. there's a lot of other Masters players i know even better so the fact that it was kevin gleason of all people it was just 
Well, let Bizarre. us know in the future if this same dream reoccurs with different players. I, yes, then then clearly it's some kind of forecasting or projecting or or foreshadowing or something. Clearly, if if that is what it ends up being, but. Anyway, so Ke- but I, I woke up and I was like, "Oh my god, I pissed off Kevin so much. I'm so sorry, Kevin." And, and that's how you woke up. Yes, <laughs> I was like in a tizzy because I was so distraught um, that I had okay. then affected his his shank tee shot on hole one at this mm. USDGC slash Idlewild morphed hole. So, Kevin, I'm sorry. I hope I'm never in your head for any reason. Now you will be. He's going to walk up to this next hole one. He'd be like, what was Miller talking about? Shank. Yeah. I haven't heard from that guy in a year, and he's having dreams about me. This is creepy. You're not wrong, Kevin. You're not wrong. It is definitely creepy. So, Schwabby, I'll be thinking about you on hole one. All right, folks. As random as that gets, uh, I think that's a good place to end it. Maybe it shouldn't have started. We're going to thank our friend Hannah Wynn. Congratulations on her stellar play. Of course, congratulations to our winner and all of our other top performers throughout the weekend. Uh, congrats to the crew for putting it on. As as Mo said, just the overall production had plenty of its challenges, I'm sure. So the fact that they fought through it the way they did, along with the weather conditions, along with everything else. And thank you to the to the crew at the event and the venue for bringing us in. So yeah. well received. So many people Beautiful love the course. venue. And the the fact that we got to kind of traipse around it for a few days and everyone got to see it uh, in, a, in a much richer, fuller capacity, I think was a huge win and uh, great for not only the silver event, but also for the Pro Tour and all of the competitors. So that's it, folks. We're going to call it. This has been Smashbox TV episode 451. We're going to have some silliness in the after show along with some giveaways. We've got more action coming for you guys. For Hannah Wynn, along with Johnny V, I'm Terry Miller, the disc golf guy, and we'll see you in the after show when you step inside the Smashbox. Thank you to our $2 and above patrons. Your name is listed below in the credits. If you are interested in being listed as a producer in the Smashbox TV credits and supporting this and other fine podcasts, please visit patreon.com slash smashbox TV. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 